All right, last Sunday in 2021, if you remember this time last year, we were not gathering together. As a matter of fact, the first three Sundays of 2021, uh, we were off campus. We were only online. And so this year, we're going to start, I think, on a better foot, right? We're gathering back together, getting it through. We were actually on campus for Easter this past year. And so real quick, I just want to reflect over the last year. Give thanks to God, and then we'll, we'll march on today. Uh, I'm giving you two things for a New Year's resolution. And I don't know if you're a big New Year's resolution person or not, but these are, are two goals that I hope you will be willing to make. The first one, read the Word. Read the Word. The second one, respond. Read and respond. Read and respond. It's pretty simple, but I think that would take care of everything. So we could have a thousand things that we want to do. Tell people about Jesus. We want to show up when the church gathers together. Uh, we want to serve. All of that happens if you read and respond to the Word of God. And so that's where we're going today. Uh, New Year's resolution, read and respond. Before we get there, I just want to take a quick glance back at the year that we had. Now listen, this will be a little bit more flexible. If you have anything that you want to add from this past year, please do so. So first off, there were two times that we had to go online in 2021. We started the year online only. And guys, that's brutal. I, I hate singing into a camera phone and preaching into a camera phone, knowing that most of the people will catch maybe 30 seconds and then they're gone, right? It's a tough way to worship together, but we did it. And then we started to build momentum, if you remember, and then the school year started. And right as the school year started, half of our congregation got COVID and we went to quarantine, back to online. So that's brutal for a church gathering together. It's been a tough time to gather together, to care for one another, to make sure people are doing okay. But in that, I want to celebrate a couple of things. Um, we had a fall fun fest. Found out we had some kids that can paint pumpkins to the best of them. That was a hit. A couple of games broke out. We also set a record for the amount of crock pots that we had here on a Sunday morning. <laughs> right? It smelled awesome that Sunday. I didn't get to sample all of them, but the ones I did get to were fantastic. We also had a back-to-school bash planned, and we had two blow-ups in the backyard. Do you guys remember that? No, because we actually didn't get to have the back-to-school bash. We had to cancel, load the blow-ups back up, and deliver them back to the place. But we did get to use this thing right here, right? And I was wondering, because we had had it for a little while. If you remember, uh, Richard, you remember, the baptismal used to be right there, right? And we knew it worked. We had no idea how we were going to get water in this place and then how to warm it up. But no complaints from Balin and Tracy. A little bit of water outside on Tracy, but what a, what a day to celebrate right here. Right? Baptism. And my prayer and my hope is that we use this on a consistent basis in 2022. Right? Now, this doesn't save anybody. We know that. But it shows that God's moving and working in the lives of the individual, that they put their faith in Jesus and that they're buried to sin and have new life in Christ. And so that was, I, I think, the best Sunday that we had this past year, at least for, for me. Now, uh, real quick, even though uh, our attendance took a hit with COVID and quarantining and all that, 
our giving actually went up from last year, which is a weird and strange thing. And so many of you faithfully giving week in and week out, we're able to support things like Creep Fellowship, which helps trains minority pastors to send them into minority places where unreached people are. And so we're training up pastors, sending them into some hard to reach places. Um, I shared with you, I've shared this multiple times. Um, I went to a conference for church planners, um, Southern Seminary in Louisville, and you have probably 40 pastors around this table, and they ask, who's starting a church in the city? Well, I raised my hand. And then they ask, well, who's starting a city in the urban poor area? Out of the 40, there were two people, me and another guy in the inner city of Louisville. And the, the inner cities and the, the high poverty, uh, public schools, whatever, they're underserved. There's a lot of people that will go to the suburbs to start a church because you can make it financially. But when you go to the inner city, you understand it's going to be a struggle. Um, but here's the crazy part for us that hasn't been the case. And so I don't know when you stop calling yourself a church plant, but I don't call us a church plant anymore. So this will be our seventh year. We're going on seven years in 2022. Um, financially, we're not dependent on any organizations. Uh, we have members that give sacrificially. And we're able to support other people doing some really good things for the glory of God. All right. And so that's a, a thank you and a testimony to you. Um, you can put up that, that picture of, of how it started. Right. So this is actually Balin. So I don't know how old she is here, but it's 2013. And what we would do, we knew we were starting a church in Covington. We didn't know where. And one of my biggest issues was how we're going to do music, right? I had already been fired from leading music at one church. Um, I didn't want to do that again. And so we had a, we, I mean, seriously, we just had a speaker and we played iTunes for a long time. Like all of this stuff I'm thinking, I, I'll tell you what I'm thinking right here. One, McDonald's has the best sweet tea. And then the second thing I'm thinking is what am I doing? What am I doing? How in the world are we ever going to get a gathering place? because you have no money in the bank. And how are you going to get to lead worship? I, I knew I could do preaching, but I had no idea how we'd build a church. And, and the one thing I love to do at certain times, and this is one of those times at the end of a hard year, is to look back and think, man, God has been faithful to us day in and day out, week in and week out. And who knows what God has in store for us in the future? Right? I didn't know we had a praise team in Covington, and we do. I didn't know that Oakland Avenue was willing to donate their building, and they were. I, I have no idea what God had in store for us, but I do know this. I knew God was faithful, and He is faithful and will be faithful. Um, so, hey, right now, let's pray and, and give thanks uh, to God, and then we'll get through to the challenge for the new year. But I always like to look back as we look forward also, all right? I'll pray, and as I pray, I want you guys to give thanks, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your church and the people gathered. Lord, I pray also for those that couldn't make it today that are traveling or are sick. Father, I thank you for being faithful. That's who you are. Lord, I thank you for providing for us. I thank you for the people that you've gathered together. And Lord, I pray that we, as we dig into your word, that we respond obediently to what you have for us. Father, I pray that we're hunger, hungry for you. I pray that we see your glory. And then I pray that we follow you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Read the Word of God. 
couple passages that go with that. And if you have your phones, take a picture of the verses because there's a lot of them. But the implication is read your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one off of the table as you leave. If you need to, order a new Bible, right? And then you can mark it up, highlight it, underline verses, circle them. But you've got to get in the Bible. There are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts. You have to dig into the Word. 2 Timothy 3.16-17 All Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, all Scripture is breathed out by God. And so this is what you know if God breathed it out, inspired this Word, you know that it is true and everything that it says is true. You know that it is completely and perfectly accurate. It's inerrant. There is no other book like this. This isn't like a textbook at your school. It's not somebody's opinion. This is the Word of God. It's breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in all righteousness. And then it goes that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. <clears throat> now this is why this is important. As you read this Bible, it transforms your life. It becomes the judgment in which you make and how you live your life. And so this is what I mean. Uh, it would be like putting on glasses that change the shade of everything. When you put on the Word of God, you start to see things the way God sees things. And then you start to walk according to the way God would have you walk. It changes everything. That's what it means to be equipped for every good work. And I have no idea what God may have in store for you. But I do know this, without working in the Word, it's going to be hard to tell where God is leading and what He has for you. You have to dig into the God-breathed Word. Secondly, 1 Peter 1, 20-21. Peter is talking, he says, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Right? So if you asked me how a game went, I would say one thing. If you asked Tracy how that game went, he would say another thing. And both of us might have different interpretations. When it comes here, what Peter's saying is this isn't some guy's idea of what happened. So what is it, Peter? For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit got down on paper exactly what God wanted to get down. This is the Word of God. And then I go to Psalm 119. And now listen, I didn't put specific verses to this because the whole chapter is talking about the Word of God. And I want you to see this because this is what I think. And I know there are parts of the Bible that are brutal when you read. Right? It's a long it's confusing. There are names that I can't pronounce. I'm like, what it? And so I see the difficulty. And sometimes what happens is when you hear read the word, one, you think it's boring. Two, you think it's too difficult. Some of you have not read a complete book. And then I'm asking you to read this. Over a thousand pages. And we're not talking large print, small print. Right? And sometimes you're like, I can't do that. Great advice. How do you eat an elephant? Anybody know? One bite at a time. You can break this down. You don't have to read the whole thing right now. But you can read something right now. 
One bite at a time. So Psalm 119, I, I want this to be my approach to the Word, and I hope it becomes your approach to the Word. I'm just going to read a few of these verses. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. Just listen to this psalm. How happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk according to the Lord's instruction. So you read the Word and respond, and what the writer is saying is, how happy is that person? He keeps going. Happy are those who keep His decrees and seek Him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in His ways. You have commanded that your precepts be diligently kept. Does that represent our lives? you got to know the Word before you can keep the Word. And we're supposed to be diligently keeping the Word of God. If only my ways were committed to keeping your statutes, then I would not be ashamed when I think about all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes because you never abandoned me. I think this is interesting, especially for the generation in which we live. Listen to this verse. How can a young man keep his way pure? When you look at the pornography business booming and you look at how our music and how graphic it becomes and you see how we objectify the opposite sex, you look at how twisted we are, how can a young person keep their way pure? Now, if you talk like this at homes, people will think you're crazy. The answer would be you can't, and why would you? But the Bible teaches, how do you keep, uh, how do you keep your way pure? By keeping your word. I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. Have you ever asked God to do that? God, help me learn your word. Don't let me wander from your word. Listen to what happens. I have treasured your word in my heart. Why? So that I may not sin against you. It's an interesting thing that happens as you treasure God's word. You start to pursue Jesus and you start to leave other pursuits behind. This, this is the answer. You keep reading. Many of you guys have heard several of these. Turn my eyes from looking at what is worthless and give me life in your ways. How many of us spend so much time doing something that is worthless? When you look at social media, and I'm not saying social media is evil in and of itself. It can be used for good. But we waste so much time. We went to see Spider-Man, and then we're interested in the first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. And I'm just thinking, that's hours upon hours. And there's a time and place where you can do that type of stuff. But what's your priority? Don't let me waste my life looking at worthless things. This can be sports. If you have to catch every game of the bowl season, you might have a problem. This could be any type of play or music or entertainment. This could be video games where it's hour after hour. This could be a hobby that just consumes you. Worthless things. There's no eternal value in those. But dig into the Word and see what happens. It'll grasp your heart for the eternal things. This is my comfort in my affliction. Your promise has given me life. You're going through a hard time. Dig into the Word. I thought about my ways and I turned my steps back to your decrees. It's good to help you show you direction. Lord, your word is forever and is firmly fixed in heaven. How I love your instruction. Who, who says that about the Bible? How I love your instruction. It is my meditation all day long. And so this dude can't get the word out of his mind and out of his heart. What he reads, he internalizes. He thinks deeply about it. Here's my problem. Um, I've got that app, the Bible app. And there's a verse of the day. My problem is I start each morning. I want to start in the Word, so I read that verse. By the time I get to first period, I have forgotten the verse of the day. Right? So I have to go back to it. 
What he is doing is saying, hey, no, I'm thinking, I'm slowing down, and I'm taking this in, and I'm thinking about it all day long. That's a game changer. If you're not doing that with the Word of God, you can, and it will change your year coming up. And then you guys have heard this one. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's Psalm 119. How are you going to know where you're going if you don't know the word? Could it be that God's leading you to some awesome things for his glory and we're missing out because we have no idea what he said? You've got to dig into this book. And then it ends with this. I long for your salvation, Lord, and in your instruction is my delight. Let me live and I will praise you. May your judgments help me. I wonder like a lost sheep, seek your servant, for I do not forget your commands. What a great way to pray to God. Dig into the word. And then the last one, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's what makes this book different than any other book you have. For the word of God is living and active. The same spirit that inspired this word is inside those who belong to Jesus. And the spirit lights this book up. How many books are in the Bible? A little Bible trivia. 66. 39 in the old. 27 in the new. And it's broken down. Do you have that graphic? Like this is pretty cool. I would like to get this for the house. This is something that helps me order things. This is the, a little bit easier to read. So you've got the Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible. This is where most people will start January 1st in Genesis. And, and I would think most people make it through Genesis and maybe Exodus. But once you get to Leviticus and Numbers, see ya. See ya. We won't see you come Joshua and Judges, right? So this is written by Moses. It's the law. Talks about creation. Talks about how God's working through Abraham. And then you have the 12 tribes of Israel, which happens to be a man and his 12 sons. And you hear about Joseph and how he's sold in slavery and what people meant for evil, God meant for good. And you have all of this stuff right here in Genesis. And then you get to history with Joshua and Judges and Ruth. You hear about Gideon and Samson. First and Second Samuel, all the way down to First and Second Chronicles, you hear about guys like David. That's where we spent some time this year. Then you have Nehemiah, where they rebuilt the wall, and you have Esther. Then you get to the wisdom literature. You learn how to suffer when you read Job. You learn how to do everything in Psalms. You learn how to cry. You learn how to give praise. You learn how to give glory. You learn how to rejoice in the book of Psalms. And then Proverbs. Proverbs, you should read this at least, at least once a year. Book of Wisdom, there's 31 chapters. Pick a month that has 31 days in it, read a chapter a day, you get through the book of Proverbs. Then you have Ecclesiastes, um, written by the wisest man on the planet. You have Song of Songs, um, which is great for people that are married or looking to get married. You have Lamentations, and, and then you've got the, the major prophets. And the reason why they're called majors is they're just longer. And, and then the minor prophets, which we went through. Right? Twelve books. And the reason they're called minor, not because they're not important, but just because they're short books of the Bible. And so that makes up the 39 books in the Old Testament. Now here's the cool part. You don't have to start at Genesis. You can start with any book you want. 
You get to the New Testament, you got the Gospels. And, and some people haven't heard the Gospels. All that is, is good news. And it's the good news about Jesus Christ. It's about His life and His death and His resurrection. And it's told by Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. Acts. Does anyone know what this is a continuation of? It's of Luke. It's of Luke. So, so Luke starts and tells about the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And then Acts is all about the early church. And how it made it through some very difficult times. And the gospel just takes off. It's like a wildfire. It just spreads. Then you get the letters. Letters to the churches. And Paul wrote these. Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, all the way down to 2nd Thessalonians. And then Paul wrote some letters to some individuals. 1st and 2nd Timothy. You have Titus and Philemon. Those are the pastoral epistles. You have general letters where you get Hebrews. And then you have James who wrote a letter. Peter wrote two letters. John wrote three letters. Jude, and then you have Revelation, which is how it's going to end. And those are the 27 books in the New Testament. Now, you look at that, and it can be overwhelming. Let's look at how long it would take for you to read your favorite book of the Bible. Someone tell me their favorite book of the Bible. Not everybody at once. Trace? Proverbs. Proverbs. Less than two hours. Hour and 45 minutes. In one setting, you could get through Proverbs. Four settings, four settings, half hour apart, no problem. What's another favorite book? John. John, I had to get through John, two hours. Less time than the girls and I spent at Spider-Man 3 this week. I could have read the entire book of John. Robbie, what'd you say? James. James. Oh, Robbie, that one's easy. 16 minutes. 16 minutes. 16 minutes and he's through his favorite book. I would think you, uh, we have a second and third John. That only takes two minutes. But here's the point. You can pick out a book and create some time. And what I would do, I would get something to write with and just start marking it up. Man, the Holy Spirit's laying this on my heart. Now God's leading me to pray for this person or this issue or this circumstance. And it's amazing how the Word comes to life. If you feed... On the Word of God, your hunger for God will grow. If you never taste the buffet of this Word, it doesn't grow. I cannot urge you enough to start digging into the Word. Let's see here. I'm going to try to do this. I'm not an offensive coach, but I'm going to try to put up an offensive play. We have five linemen. We are in a shotgun set. <laughs> you, should, you should see our linemen. <laughs> Here's some defense, right? Four-man front, whatever. So we run power where this running back gets the ball coming around this side, right? This guy will down block, down block, down block. This guy pulls. This is a pull. When you come behind the line, go this direction. This guy leads for this guy. And this really works out well when each player knows what they're doing. But in our playoff game, hey, listen, there's no names. There's no names attached to these players. This guy pulled this direction, which was good. This guy pulled this direction. What? Yep. <laughs> yep. And you can tell by the diagram, 
it's really hard to run the ball when you have two of your guys blocking each other, right? They did not know the play. Now, there was a reason we had a guy that was out, new guy came in, and obviously couldn't read his wristband. Boom! Direct contact, running back gets killed, play doesn't work. We are searching and scrambling for another play, thinking, oh, man, they got that red well. Well, really, two guys ran into each other. They didn't know the play. You're not going to be able to do what God is calling you to do if you don't know His Word. Before you can do, you got to dig. Get into the Bible. And, and then the delight factor of the Word. Um, and I've shared this before. We were in Benin, Africa. Rick and Matt, we were on a mission team. We were building churches, training up pastors. Right? And the hardest part was leaving this crew behind. Right? Now, this is not Dia. This is Camden. So this is a long time ago. This is 2012. But we're here, and somehow Rick got a phone, and we could go from the bush country in Africa and call back to home. And now listen, the hardest part wasn't carrying logs in, a, in the Chi country where I thought I was going to pass out, and then I realized none of this crew could carry me back to the village, so I better keep walking. The hardest part here wasn't the work. It was missing the family. And when Rick says, well, you can just call home, do you think, I'm like, ah, there's just too much going on. I don't have time for that. No, I grabbed the phone and I made a call. And I was able to check on the family. Everybody was fine. Everybody was good. But the call was so important. This is the, if God has written down who he is and what he's doing, why do you think we're so slow in picking it up and reading? It wasn't hard for me to call and talk to my wife there. I longed for the conversation to make sure she was okay, to make sure everything was good, to see how she was doing. And the same is true when you get to the Bible and the Word of God. I think for some of us, it's been too long since we've dug into the Word. This isn't a duty, or it might start as a duty, but it quickly becomes a delight. And that's the invitation. God is saying, hey, I've got time for you. You got time for me. And you can dig and soak in this word. All right, so read the word and then finally respond to the living God, right? Read the word of God, respond to the living God. And this is, this is simple. There's three verses with this. Joshua 1.8, Psalm 1.3, 1, 1 through 3, and then James 1.22 to 25. And this is the basis of this. Read the Bible, do it, be blessed. Read it, do it, be blessed. That's what you'll see in all three. And we're going to fly through these. Book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Right? That's Joshua. Next one. Psalm. Blessed is the man who walks not in the way of the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sets in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Another word for the Bible. His delight is the law of the Lord. He meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in season and his leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. Soaking up the word, doing the word, blessing of God. Next, but be doers of the word. And then we'll skip on down. But the one who looks into the perfect law of the liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. You see, the people that knew the Old Testament best were also those who were yelling, crucify Jesus. 
It's not enough just to know the Bible. As you hear the Word, do the Word. And so our, our thing with football is know your job, do your job. First off, you've got to know the play, but then you've got to execute. You've got to actually run the play. The same thing is true in your walk with Christ. Know His Word and then do it. I think it's interesting. There was a joke that goes, and maybe you've heard this, a husband and wife go to the doctor. The husband is not doing well at all. He goes in for his physical exam to figure out what's going on. He goes out. The wife has a serious conversation with the doctor. The doctor says, it doesn't look good for your husband. I would give him about a week to live. Um, maybe not even that. And the wife breaks down and she asks, well, is, is there any, anything we can do? And the doctor goes, well, there is one thing. One thing that could happen, but he hasn't seen it happen, but this is what, what could happen. Um, if you would make sure he has a home-cooked meal for every meal of the day, if you make sure the remote control is close to his seat and that the TV is always tuned to his show, if you ever wanted to go to the movies or a game, make sure he has his transportation there and back and has the best seats available. If he has a need for a foot massage, make sure you rub his feet enough at least a half hour each night and a half hour each morning. And he goes, there's a few other things. If he wanted to go golfing, make sure he had the nicest clubs. If he, and the list goes on. And finally, the doctor gets done speaking. And he goes, if this happens, then he could live another 10, 15 years. The wife goes back out, her head's down. The husband asks her, well, what did the doctor say? And the wife says, honey, it's not good. you got about a week to live. <laughs> right? The secret's not in knowing. It's in doing. And this is what we have to know so that we can walk accordingly. And it's an amazing thing what happens. I mean, I mean, think about this. If you get to spend time in the presence of God, would you not take advantage of it? That's what happens when you open up the word you hear from God. I can't stress this enough. There is nothing better that you can spend your time doing than digging into the word. And then as you dig, do. I'll leave you with this. This is the challenge that we're going to have for our church. We're going to start a sermon series in the book of Mark. 16 chapters. First eight chapters talks about how Jesus is the King of Kings. The last eight talk about the purpose of the cross and why he died on the cross for us. We're going to go through that, and that's going to take us all the way to Easter. And so you have plenty of time. Hey, Shooks, check how long it takes to read the book of Mark. You have all the way to Easter to get through Mark. Mark takes us hour and a half. So I'm asking for an hour and a half over the next three months to read the book of Mark. Dig in. Write in your Bibles. Take notes. Ask questions. Spend some time praying through the gospel of Mark. It's, uh, there's a, a good quote about this from Tim Keller. He says, Mark worked with and was the translator for Peter. So Mark wasn't one of the disciples. He just hung out with Peter all the time. Actually went on several missionary trips, has an interesting life, but he wrote down everything that Peter did and saw and heard. And so Mark's translator for Peter. Mark wants us to see that the coming of Jesus calls for decisive action. Jesus is seen as a man of action, moving quickly and decisively from event to event. That's why it's only 16 chapters. In the Gospel of Mark, we mainly see Jesus doing. Therefore, we can't remain neutral. We need to respond actively. And so the goal is, as we move through the Gospel of Mark, we start walking with Jesus. Where we see Him go, we go. What He asks us to do, we do. <coughs> Let us read the Word 
and respond. Last verse I'm going to leave you with. Mark 3, 13 to 14. It says, Jesus went up on the mountain and summoned those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, to be with him, then to send them out to preach. Before the doing was the invitation to come hang out with Jesus. The same invitation is given to you. And if you're a morning person, set aside a couple of minutes each morning to get into the Word. If you're a night person, set aside the end of the day. Turn off everything else and dig into the Word. It might be a verse, it might be a chapter, it might be a book of the Bible. If you're neither of those, find a time during the day. Maybe it's a lunch break. Maybe it's on the way home or the way to work. Get an audio Bible, have it cranking. But dig into the Word. Spend time with Jesus and then be ready because He will send you out. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You for gathering us this morning. Lord, thank You for Your faithfulness throughout this year. And Lord, we pray as we move forward that we walk obediently to Your Word. I pray that you give us a hunger to devour your word. Don't let us take it for granted just because it's easy to get to. We have several copies. Help us see the invitation to spend time with you. Help us delight in your word. Help us meditate on it day and night. Help us think deeply about your word and then help us walk accordingly. Thank you for gathering us today. You're an awesome God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.